Welcome to AIW's The Card is Going to Change, presented by Absolute Tense Wrestling and sponsored by Smart Mark Video and the This Is Awesome Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Glenn Moore, joined here by the co-owners of AIW, Mr. John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. Today's topic is Absolution 11. It was a jam-packed crowd at Mark Harmel this, uh, well, last month and uh, July 22nd. A lot of people of attendance, some great wrestling in the ring. You had guys flying all over the Raptors. You had an impromptu uh, NXT Redemption show. You had a um, you had some uh, some thumbtacks being spread around the around the around the gym. You had guys diving off the stage. It, it was a great great show. If you're a, a true wrestling fan here in Cleveland, and let's get into it, guys. Uh, first of all, last year my first Absolution. You guys had that the at the um, the, the, the temple he had balconies it was a unique ven- venture uh, a venue but this year you had at mark carmel and you jam-packed the place i think you could fit a lot more people into that gymnasium than you can with the temple but still it was a great great show a lot of people in attendance and just your overall impressions before we get into the uh, nitty-bitty about what happened but your overall impression of absolution well i guess um this is where I'll admit that we have a really shitty accounting uh, practice. We couldn't even tell you how many people were there uh, if our lives depended on it because we don't really pay attention to that number. Uh, I think that's just like a number like, you know, some promotions want to put on Twitter to like just jerk themselves off or something. Yeah. But we like the only number we pay attention to is we fill the envelopes uh, and we filled all the envelopes on uh, July 22nd. So that's really all that, that's you know, successful. Abling, uh, yeah. Like that's like really the only number we pay attention to is how many envelopes we have left to fill. So I don't know if there's more people this year than last year or, or what we only really knew what the number was last year is because they put a restriction on us. Yeah. So we had to pay attention. Uh, but this year, you know, I, who knows? I just know that it, there was a lot of people there, and we didn't have to worry about uh, how we were going to pay everybody downstairs. And so, I, and I know the people were a lot more comfortable uh, this year than last year. Yeah, I mean there was air conditioning, so everyone was right right off the bat a little bit more con- comfortable than last year. So uh, yeah, you know I uh, the the day started off very 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 stressful for us. Uh, I woke up to. Uh, to two text messages, one from Chandler Biggins that said, uh, Carly Perez now, uh, her flight was changed. She now lands at, I don't even remember what time he said. And then I had another text message from Carly Perez that said, hey, my flight changed. I'm in the Uber right now. I'm never going to make it. And nobody nobody told me that my flight changed. They, it's the same thing that happened to Kurt Hawkins in June. They cha- They canceled her flight straight up in the middle of the night about four o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and, and I don't know exactly what time it was. I mean, I could go and look, but, uh, I woke up to a voicemail, not an email, not a text. Uh, like I had signed up for a voicemail and I wasn't even signed up for a call, uh, from the airline saying, Oh, we've canceled your flight. We've rebooked you. Uh, and I forget what time she was supposed to land, like maybe two. Yeah. Like, but whatever they rebooked her on, then, you know, she, she later called me and said that that flight never took off because uh, some lady had like a freak out on the plane. And uh, so she missed that. And then, you know, while I was on the phone, I... Which this shit only happens to us. 
I while I was on the phone, uh, I listened to Carly Perez get a real Latina on the American Airlines <laughs> desk workers. She was motherfucking them. Uh, like I was terrified, and I was on the other side of the country. I can only imagine what these people at the American Airlines booth were thinking when uh, you know this feisty like a little Latina woman was like basically like. <laughs> threatening to kill them <laughs> and everything that she could to uh not get taken away by TSA but uh you know so that kind of sucked and you know that's why we had to stall you know there were some people that were mad we had to stall doors opening and stuff but finally when once she worked it all out uh she wasn't going to land until 9:30 p.m. so we definitely had to uh make some arrangements on the fly she didn't even take off from California till like 3 p.m. our time uh, so it was really, really, really cutting it close. Uh, and then, you know, after that got all worked out, um, nobody had heard from Tyson Dukes. And, you know, of course, he fell victim to uh, our friends of the Canadian-United States border. Uh, he was turned away. So that's, you know, we had to deal with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, other than that, though, you know, other than those two things, I, I was pretty happy with everything. I think the, the Lucha tag more than uh, more than surprised some people, especially Steve Payne. I remember uh, Aaron Bauer was standing next to me, and he was like, who the fuck is this Steve guy? I go, you just got to <laughs> wait and see, man. This is who Steve Payne was a guy that DJZ had uh, specifically, you know, requested. He said, this is the guy. This is the guy. And, uh, you know. As I've said before, our uh, Lucha Libre talent scout, uh, Adam Lash, was all was also putting over uh, this uh, Steve Payne guy. So, you know, it's just like you, you have like no almost no expectations because it's and, like... And I think Randy also. Yeah, our boy Randy. But uh, you have like... It's so weird because you have like almost no expectations of this guy. He's unknown. His name is Steve and his face is painted. So like... You know, like the stack is really <laughs> is really against this guy uh, to, you know, like the uh, the fans that may not have a uh, have an open mind. Yeah, like I guess he's uh, doing well with Lucha Underground, but nothing that's aired yet. So it's kind of like, you know, like you were saying, a definite unknown. But like funny story about Steve Payne. So like I uh, I go to pick him up from the hotel and he goes, hey, can you please text me when you get here? And I said, sure. <laughs> Uh, and he goes, I'm in full gimmick. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if he, like, I'm not even gonna lie. I never even really watched him wrestle. Uh, I, but as far as I knew, he didn't, he didn't wear a mask or anything. So I'm like, what does this mean? So, uh, I, I wait for Dutch Mantel who had already tried to sell me his book three times in the car <laughs> earlier in the day. Um, uh, I don't like. I don't know if you know he was. Uh, I don't know if like because like I was younger, what he thought or you know what he thought he was getting into, like. But you know he's like, ah, so you're a big wrestling fan, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he's just like, oh, you know, I got a couple books on me. They're real good reads, you know, uh, lots of good short stories. And I was just like, is this dude trying to sell me his book as soon as he gets off the plane? Like, this is the most Memphis shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he really wanted to sell those fucking 10 books he had. And he and he did very, yeah. very quickly, too. Well, he didn't sell one to me. And I, I just looked yeah. at him and said, Dutch, not much of a reader, man. He could have been down to nine. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, Dutch man tells in my car and out walks Steve Payne from the Marriott 
fucking like full pleather gear on, face all painted up, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Seems is going like it on? would be a little hot for all that. Yeah. So uh, then Steve Payne's like, "Hey, you know, can uh, can we stop at a gas station and get a Red Bull and some water?" <laughs> And I go, yeah, man, but I should probably fucking walk in because they're going to think you're going to rob the place. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. What the fuck are you thinking? Like, just walking around with your face painted. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, other than that, you know, th- there wasn't that much uh, craziness going on at Absolution. Um, you know, at-, at least on my end, those are, you know, those are my two fucking weird stories is uh, Dutch Mantel trying to sell me his books. And uh, Steve Payne walking around Cleveland with his fucking face painted. <laughs> uh, I, I know a lot of people uh, brought up the podcast to us at Absolution. I want to thank everybody for listening. But uh, the one question that I got asked about 100 times at Absolution was, did Laredo Kid go missing? And sadly, we don't Oh, have... actually, yes. He did, he did go missing? Well, I don't know if you want... Well, yeah, because Dave the Potato was getting him. He couldn't find him for quite some time. While I was waiting for Dutch Mantel and Steve Payne... I just see Laredo Kid walking down the street. <laughs> Nowhere near the venue or the hotel. Like, I was driving to the hotel, and this fucking guy's just carrying bags like he just went grocery shopping. And, like, I pull over, I was like, Laredo, dude has no fucking idea who I am. Like, I, like, I, like, has no clue that I'm his boss or anything. I just say, Laredo, what's up, man? You need a ride? And he just fucking looked at me, and he was just like, he had all these fucking bags. Like, he went to Walgreens or something. I don't know. And he just, like, held his bags up and just kept walking down the street. <laughs> I totally fucking forgot about that. Yes, Laredo Kid. Yeah, I knew nothing about this. He did his grocery shopping when he was here, I guess. So he walked. The How long of a walk was that from Dude, where he was? I don't know. I was just It was in between the venue and the hotel. It was about halfway. And I don't think there's, any, like, anything really in between. So he must have really hunted. Well, I mean, so who knows where uh, where he could where he went or what he had in that bag. What hotel was it? It was the Marriott. Marriott. Come on, we're not telling yeah. where we put people up, man. Just, the, just say a usual spot. The usual, well, okay. the usual spot is America's best value. That's right. where I prefer to put people up, but the Natty Daddy complained about those accommodations. Yeah, he asked if we were going bankrupt. Yeah, so I don't know where the Laredo kid was or what he was doing, but between him grocery shopping and Steve Payne and his fucking face paint, these luchadors, it's always an adventure every single month, but... Uh, you know, and somehow we lost Bandolera on the way to Cleveland also. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened with that. But hey, but we got M-Dog, so. But, uh, yeah, so or, I did think of another funny story, though. Um, while, you know, so we're dealing with, like, the Tyson Duke situation. And, like, it's like a fucking episode of Shark Tank. Every motherfucker on the roster that wasn't booked or wanted to get into a better position on the card was pitching it's like a bidding war like nonstop like I was just getting pitched and I'm just like I wanted to be left alone like everybody's got a fucking idea I got like everyone's running off these ideas here comes the fucking natty daddy Colonel Robert Parker he's got his own pitch but his pitch is he knows he's finishing up tonight so he's trying to keep his job <laughs> <laughs> and his pitch is hey you know I really want to talk to you guys. I got this idea. And so, it's, it's, so he's surrounded by, Thorne is surrounded by about, I would say, a good dozen people. And the Natty Daddy, Colonel Rob Parker, pulls me and him, me and Thorne. Yeah, he just disregards everybody else, uh, like total alpha male style. And he of goes, course. hey, guys, you know, I've been I, I've been meaning to want to talk to you. Because he knows the angle's over, you know. He knows the Texas death match is the blow off. 
and he wants to keep these paydays a coming. So, so he he pulls he wants us the over. Natural ice is coming. Yeah, he pulls us over in total in, in total fucking territory carny fashion, and he goes, "Hey guys, this is really grasping at straws." By the way, he goes, "Hey guys, you know, I, I got this angle to pitch to you, so I could you know I could keep something going here." And I go, "Okay, let's hear it." And at this point, I have heard it fucking all in a five-minute span from everybody uh, just pitching different things and trying to get the card changed. And I go, all right, Colonel, I got, you know, I, I got all the time in the world for you. What do you got? And he goes, well, you know, I did this thing down south. And he goes, I was thinking about bringing it here. He goes, you guys got lots of, lots of nice lady wrestlers here. And we go, yeah, you know, we, we do have a women's division. He goes, well, how about this? He goes, I don't know who you got, but how about we get one of these guys, you know, this guy's got nothing going on, and we paint him up like a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, "What? whoa, what? He goes, yeah, you know, I just did this down down south. What was, the, what was the old territory guy, Jobber's name, that he said he did this with? Oh, I forget. Some he was o- an NWA, NWA guy. Oh, fuck. It's like some NWA old enhancement guy. He goes, oh, you know, he goes, this happened a couple weeks ago. You know, they didn't they didn't have the girls show up to wrestle Tessa Blanchard. He's he, like, have you ever heard of the Blanchard family? I'm like, yeah. You he know goes, what? He pitched this idea like three shows ago off the air when he was on our show. Like he pitched okay, this idea. Well, he was he was saving it for his last day. <laughs> This was his last ditch effort, and uh, he, you know, he is just like throwing, like getting very descriptive about trying to find a guy that we could teach to walk like a woman and wear high heels and shave his legs. We're gonna put her in the women's division, and he's gonna be the manager, of course. And uh, you know, I, I just couldn't believe, you know, I couldn't get past the, you know, when he goes, "Let's paint him up like a bitch." <laughs> And, uh, you know, at that point, I was just like, I Wait, was zoned which, up. Which we were kind of shocked that the guy dressed like a southern plantation owner uh, didn't know about PC in 2016. Yeah, so uh, and <laughs> don't, I hope nobody goes and buries Colonel Robert Parker because that is not the point of this story. I no, just thought it was fucking hilarious. But uh, so, yeah, like that's going on and, you know, in the middle of all the chaos. And I was just like, what the fuck is today coming to? You know, like we we were like. You know, last year we booked this ten thousand dollar main event, and this year we were kind of going a different direction. Um, and uh, you know, we had Dutch Mantel and uh, Carly Perez, who Carly Perez might not make it. So we were like, "What Until the fuck?" Until she landed, I was still thinking she wasn't gonna. Right, which you know, she walked in about ten p.m. and uh, as soon as she walks in, you know, she sees EC3 and he's got he's got brooms. And uh, wiffle ball bats, food service trays, and food service trays, and he's talking to her, and I have to go over and introduce myself to her. This girl has been traveling since like six a.m. California time, and uh, I just have to. Uh, I say, hey, you know, nice to meet you. I'm John. I'm sorry you've spent your entire day traveling to come and do obstacle courses, but I hope you have a good night. And she just looked at me like she fucking hated me, and goes. I know this is all fucking Derek Bateman's fault. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they went and did that NXT redemption thing, which, man, was that a fucking spectacle if I've, if I've ever seen one. I was just glad people liked it. If they like it, we like it. 
That's, yeah. All right, Paul. Yeah. Relax, Paul. Come on. <laughs> this is the dance. Oh, whoa. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I wish there was, uh, fuck, you know, more crazier things that really happened at Absolution, but uh, I would say this is probably our best top-to-bottom Absolution card that we ever put on, even though, you know, there was a few minor changes. Um, you know, the, the M-Dog last-minute surprise, which I guess I could talk about that. We had to do, like, a sports trade with the insane clown posse to get that, to even get M-Dog there uh, on Friday, which was the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Uh, so M-Dog was wrestling at the Gathering on Friday night, uh, which had a 12.30 a.m. bell time, uh, but they were very, very concerned that he would not make it on time. Um, but they wanted to book Ray Rowe, and uh, they were just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, did you fly him? Can we book him? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, hey, you guys can book Ray Rowe. Don't worry about throwing it on a flight if we can book M-Dog. And, you know, for Briggins' sake, because he's big he's big on the clowns these days, I said, and some ICP tickets to be named later. Uh, so it was, it was they got Ray Rowe, we got M-Dog, but he had to go on first, and we get future ICP tickets at a later date. And Stock and Fago. I wish we had Stock and Fago. I wish we had Stock and anything but a professional wrestling company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I have a few questions from uh, from a fan and perspective um before you say that though yeah. i will i do want to say that some entertainment company did try to buy aiw 12 hours before absolution for twenty five thousand dollars, and we said no of course well, well, I, said, I said i said no thorn said yes i said yes let's do it <laughs> i said let's take that money and just be podcasters and uh biggin said no so i said we're gonna run out of stores if we uh keep, don't keep warning yeah I wanted to close. I wanted to close Absolution, walking out with one of those big ass fucking Happy Gilmore checks, and uh, saying it's over, guys. But uh, where can I cash this? Yeah, that uh, a really big bank. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was a true story about twelve hours beforehand. And they then, only had three hundred uh, followers, anyways. Well, hey, he said he had the money, so. But yeah, let's hear your questions. Uh, the t- obviously we, we t- you talked about it before with you know Carly. You push the doors open being a little bit later. People were standing out in the heat, in the sun. I saw some tweets saying people, you know, whatever, were, were upset about But I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about um, the comedy segment was a little bit late. The main event didn't start till after midnight, I believe. Is that just something, you know, from a proposed promotional promoter standpoint? You just can't control that, and you have to do what you got to do, and with the timing I mean, of it, initially, it doesn't really matter. Initially, that the NXT redemption segment was to go on uh, before intermission. Um, so, you know, we had to make all sorts of different card adjustments. And, you know, with, with uh, you know, opening doors late came, you know, the show starting later. And then, you know, uh, one thing that, you know, another that fans don't realize is we can put, we can put time down on a call sheet and tell people to the end of time. But when they get out there and they Start see, it. they see fucking, however many hundreds of people out there and they're hot and they're going nuts, uh, they're, they're going to get their shit in and they're going to ignore any sort of time cues that they were given, uh, which is exactly what happens. You know, um, they, it, it just, it's just the nature of the beast, which I don't really care. You know, they could fuck fans could say they're all fucking night for all I care. You know, as long as they're buying concessions and like, you know, uh, having fun, but, uh, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, with her not landing until 930, 
you know, coming from the airport, that was another 25 minutes. And we kind of felt that her appearance was, uh, like, a lot of people said they were just coming for her because she makes such few rare appearances, like, on the Independence. This is her second independent match ever. Um, there's actually talk at one point, if we started earlier, that that was going to be the main event, that comedy match. And, like, you know, we didn't feel that would be just to the title. But that was actually something that had come up. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, we had to make adjustments on the fly. And uh, you're, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't at that point. You know, initially, you know, we wanted that Texas death match to go on later. We wanted the comedy segment to kind of be the main event of the first half. And, uh, you know, that, that stuff changes. And then, you know, of course, well, you know, we were telling people to, to stretch things out a little bit. We tried to cut intermission short. You know, I think she she got there during intermission. And as soon as she got there, I said, let's cut intermission short. Let's get the show going. She's here, and uh, let's try to get it over with. But, uh, you know, that's that's just something that it's, you know, we could sit here and we can format out a show and times and everything else. But, you know, when someone's not landing till nearly 10 p.m., you know, they're, you, you got to fucking stall. And, um, you know, it, it came to the point to where, you know, she had called me when she was trying to, get here and she was just like what is the cutoff because i can't get on anything and i said you know nine o'clock would probably be the the latest that you can get here and we can make adjustments uh so she got you know she got on that that flight that landed you know just around you know just before nine thirty. so you know th- that was kind of like it was like hey i could say hey stay home and don't worry about it or try to get here and we'll stall. And I thought it was probably better to stall and have, you know, 99% of the advertised card there than to, you know, run the show on time, but be missing, you know, one of the marquee things that we were advertising. We, uh, we did try to pull uh, off a huge coup or whatever the word is. Uh, yeah, we did. We did try to book Jeff Hardy. Brother uh, Nero. I did. We did because he was in. He was in town for the gathering, but um, you know, I didn't directly talk to him. I talked to him through somebody who talked to somebody. You know, talked to Matt Hardy. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sure you could. You've seen the videos going around by now. But uh, we were told that uh, Matt Hardy uh, wanted to get the life experience of the gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, and from the videos that have been floating around on the internet, he definitely got the life experience. I don't know if he got the Rick Bassman save Tila tequila life experiences, <laughs> but I think he definitely got some of the other, uh, you know, interesting things that Hopefully, go on. Hopefully, uh, Necrobutcher let him go home early. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I don't know if this episode is going to be all that interesting because there really isn't that much controversy um, that went into absolution other than, you know, we had to start late and we had to, you know, there were fans definitely that were pissed, um, you know, and we... But you kind of got to weigh it out because, like, would more people have been pissed if Carly Perez wasn't there at all? Yeah. Right. It's just one of those things, like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't situations. Like, there was no decision that we could have made that that would have made everybody 100% happy because, you know, it was a Friday night People had been in line. Some people had gotten in line at 2 p.m., uh, so they were there for for a long, long, long day. But you know, it's just that's just the nature of the beast of being an independent wrestling promotion. We we aren't the WWE. We don't have you know all the resources to you know get 
every single person there, you know, 10 hours early in the day to go through and rehearse everything, you know, because that was another thing, you know, just because she got there, then she had to figure out what she was doing in her match and work that out. You know, even though it turned out to be a lot of, you know, shenanigans, she still had to, you know, figure out what the shenanigans were, go over everything. So, you know, that's just, you know, that's the kind of problem that comes with independent professional wrestling promoting is you, you gotta, you got to be prepared to think on the fly and, you know, solve these problems quick. Um, you know, like I said, you know, the Tyson Dukes thing happened, which I totally forgot that he was even coming and we're dealing with all these other problems. And then Biggins looks at me and goes, have you heard from Tyson? And I look at my phone and there's like 18 messages from Tyson Dukes, uh, you know, saying that he's not going to make it. And, you know, he's not, he's not going to make it, you know, for quite some time until he works, you know, gets things worked out with his visa because he did have a visa and he needs to get it, you know, renewed or whatever. So, you know, that, that was a problem because he was a tag team champion. You know, we're trying to figure out what to do with that, which you know, we really didn't even come up with a solution. We're probably going to have to do a tag team title tournament sometime down the line and add a show. Uh, but we just wanted to kind of get through absolution and get through the night because people weren't going to be satisfied if, uh, hot sauce and Dom defended them or, you know, the, they just weren't going to be satisfied if they vacated them. Um, that was just kind of a lose, lose situation yeah, at another, that point. Another damned if you uh, do, you know, so we we're just like, Hey, you know, just have a match, you know, we'll just come out of intermission with it. Just have a match and we'll see what happens because, you know, they could have defended the titles and, you know, they could have lost the titles. Like that was the plan anyway, but nobody would have gave a fuck. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to kind of let that simmer down, see what happens, and probably, you know, have to add a show. In. We we wanted to take October off, uh, but now we're probably going to have to add a show in October. That's just going to be, you know, a tag team title tournament. Uh, not in Jeff Hardy, but I heard there's a – what are some other names that you guys tried to uh, book for the show? I heard one name come up when I was there that you guys possibly tried to book, and you guys probably confirmed or deny this, but DDP – you guys try to get GDP to come? Oh, that and, was months ago. That was yeah. that was uh th- that was my ar- that was my argument with uh with Biggins because uh I wanted like a big big marquee name and he wanted Dutch Mantel and uh, I was a little I was a little worried about Dutch Mantel's fanfare uh you know because he's definitely an acquired taste he's not going to get you that like a niche guy he's he's definitely he's not going to get you that big mainstream casual fan draw yeah. so uh. Uh, I was actually kind of hesitant of it, but that's like, you know, Biggin's third idol besides Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Robert Parker. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, but oh. uh, he's definitely, I'm definitely a huge fan of old uh, Dutch Mantel and Zeb Coulter. And so I was a little, you know, I I wanted to book the Bang Man. Biggin's wanted to book. Well, we did talk to the Bang Man, but he wasn't available. Yeah. So Biggin's wanted to book Dutch, and uh, you know, I think it ended up working out you know that's one of the matches i didn't see at all but you know his meet and greet went a lot better than i anticipated well the whole thing with dutch mantel was uh he had contacted us uh he had said something on twitter and he contacted us when he was still with wwe and was like oh talk to my agent and then we talked to his agent and he gave us this outrageous price uh and then our boy sanjay dutt he's like oh i booked uh dutch he's this much and it was very agreeable and Guy was great. He he just seems like a cranky old guy, but once you warm up with him, he was great. Yeah, you know, like I think, you know, once he saw that 
it was a professional professionally run show and like it wasn't just some fucking kids trying to run a wrestling show uh he definitely was like a lot more open and he stopped trying to sell me his book <laughs> and uh you know he was he was a lot cooler i think you know it, it's got to be hard for a lot of these guys because you know it's so easy to be a wrestling promoter and not know how to be a wrestling promoter that you know uh, a lot of these guys go to these shows they get fucked on money it's just a miserable experience so I'm sure you know a lot especially these legends are just turned off when they get booked for stuff um, and you know he ended up you know him and him and Colonel Robert Parker ended up having you know just catching up downstairs and having a blast you know they they had you know just like Colonel Robert Parker always does. They just had at like a you know a semicircle of just workers around them, just listening to them talk old Memphis stories and uh, a lot of stuff that I you know they probably don't want to be repeated, which I won't repeat <laughs> here. But uh, you know they, they told they told a lot of you know it, it's cool. Like I've said before, we've said before, it's cool to have those guys in the locker room, and you know just just to be able you know just for our students and just, you know, the young guys on the roster to just be able to go and, you know, talk to those guys and hear, you know, their perspective on things and what works and what doesn't work. You know, Dutch just was in WWE for quite some time and he's seen, you know, he's seen a lot. Um, so, you know, and he had some great stories to tell about, you know, working for WWE. So uh, I, I ended up, you know, I was reluctant at first, but you know, about booking Dutch, uh, but, I think it all worked out and I think, you know, he was a perfect fit, you know, in that Texas death match with Dick justice and Jock Sampson and, uh, Robert Parker. And man, he had Colonel Parker with a potato. If I ever saw one, did he? I didn't see the match. I haven't, I haven't watched the tape. But like, yet. uh, Dutch came up a little early for his match and he was worried about the ramp. So, uh, him and Glenn had come up the elevator, which is right behind where I'm uh, situated at shows. And we had a long talk about like Memphis and everything. And he's fascinated about like modern and independent wrestling, which goes back to what we said about Fuller and uh, stuff. It's great when these like legendary guys that have seen and done it all are still fascinated by like a professional independent show. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm sure it's just interesting for them to see like the evolution of, you know, almost like the modern territory system. You know, I feel like the independents are becoming a modern territory system and like every major city for the most part, you know what their independent promotion is, you know? Um, so I, I almost feel like they kind of respect that resurgence. You know, obviously we're not going to be selling out uh 12,000 seat arenas every Monday night in Memphis, but you know, to be able to draw, you know, several hundred people on a Friday night in the middle of July, I think they kind of, you know, it, it opens got like their eyes again because, you know, there was a huge, what I call, you know, the wrestling depression, which was after the attitude era where fucking, you know, you'd be lucky to see 30 people in the crowd of the independent show. So I think, you know, it's kind of cool for those guys who have, you know, been around for, I don't know, 40, 50 years or whatever to see just the, the ups and downs of the industry. Uh, and, you know, I, I know we joked about it earlier, but, you know, Colonel Robert Parker wants definitely sounds like he wants to stay around and keep coming back because uh, I think he does like being around the young guys. And, you know, just uh, I think it just makes him, you know, feel, you know, part and, of the part of the industry. You and know? like uh, he does a lot of like stuff in the South where it's more old school. So I think he likes like the new new era, like attitude or I don't know what to say, but, you know. Just like the, yeah, just like the younger, you know, just the younger generation and their views and their, you know, 
Uh, there's just a lot of hungry dudes on the independents and and girls, and I think he just likes being around that kind of like youth and that hunger again. And you know, fuck, you know, how exciting can it be to just be the president of your pool association? You know, you gotta get you gotta get out every now it's and then. It's a lot of speedos. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get out. But uh, yeah, uh, all in all, I think absolution with eleven with even with the problems, that was probably our best booked, most well-rounded show I think we ever put on, you know, and I said this earlier today uh, when I was talking to Biggins, you know, before we went on the air, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't like the storytelling or the angles anymore in independent wrestling. They just want, like, now, 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 like, give me those snowflake matches, but, like, stuff like that comes and goes. Like, you know, these match of the year candidates or whatever people want to say, I feel like a lot of that gets forgotten very easily. But, like, for example, you know, Eddie Kingston coming out of surprise after, you know, he did all that stuff with with Frankie Flynn and the Duke and everything. I think that, you know, laying the groundwork for that over the last year and then him going away and coming back the way he did, like, that evoked, like, real emotion. Like, that was, like, a huge, huge pop for Kingston to return. And, like, I just don't think you can get stuff like that without, you know, laying the groundwork months in advance. And I think, like, if you don't do stuff like that, you're not building to the future anyways. Like, you might not buy a ticket right now to see Frankie Flynn, but him being in there with guys like B.J. Whitmer and Kingston, he's going to get to the point where you go, oh, my God, I want to see Frankie Flynn. Yeah, it's just, you know, and that's kind of the benefit of going to our school is, you know, we want to put these guys in there with these veterans so they can learn uh, like learn on the job and expedite their, you know, their development. Uh, Cause it's, it's, it's so f- like a weird thing with fans is fans want to get behind somebody on the way up, but they don't want to take the journey with them. Yeah. Like, you know, the, it's weird. Like they want to see, like they want to see the finished product. They don't want to see the guy, you know, in his third match. And, you know, they love jumping on board to these guys that, you know, are just breaking out. But the thing that they don't realize is like, a lot of guys have been wrestling for fucking 15 years. Like after the show, uh, I got soup. I got real Paul Heyman. Like when I was drunk, <laughs> real Paul Heyman talking about how his client beat undertaker. And- no, I didn't do that. But I got like <laughs> outside of the Fox and Hound after the show, about three 30 in the morning, I was all fucking hammered. And I got like, I gave, I gave a speech to these luchadors that rivaled the, this is the dance speech. I think Gringo Loco was in tears. Dude, Steve Payne was ready to fucking follow me into the gates of hell. But, uh, you know, what I basically told them is, you know, these are the guys that nobody knows it, but I asked them all, they've all been wrestling for over a decade and they're just now starting to get that momentum, that momentum. It took 10 years because I think people are lazy and they just go, well, Pentagon's a lucha name. That's my lucha guy. But yeah, so you know, it's just it's it's one of those things that I think Absolution is Absolution Eleven was like the most well rounded variety show that we've probably ever put together. And you know, you have your quote unquote match of the year type of matches, but there was so much more like storytelling and things that happened throughout that I think, you know, you could pick that show up and like really see Top to bottom, what AIW is all about. Because, uh, you know, it has a little bit of everything. And the thing about picking the show up is, like, I can't put over Smartmark Video enough to where if 48 hours later, the complete product is on DVD, Blu ray, MP4, streaming, streaming, so, everything. 
So, yeah, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I, we'll probably wrap it up on that note. You know, just uh, all I can say is buy Absolution 11. If, you know, I know a lot of people are listening to this podcast that don't even really watch AIW shows. And we try not to, like, shill anything or sell anything. This is a show we were real proud of. But, like, I, I really, really encourage everybody that listens to at least pick up Absolution 11 and kind of see for yourself what we're trying to do. And the you know the kind of different weird brand of professional wrestling we're trying to uh, unleash on the world, so to speak. All right, so going to wrap it up. Episode number nine. The card is going to change. Presented by AIW and sponsored by Smartmark Video. This is Awesome Wrestling Show. You can uh, listen to the show if you're a first time listener on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, and Lipson. So if you have an Android or Apple device, you can listen to the show. You can also download it. Uh, off the internet with the links on your computer as well if you're listening at work or at home. So really appreciate you guys listening. Leave a comment, rate, subscribe to the show, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks.